Welcome to our friends and members of the Westmount Shul, and welcome also to all of you joining us on Torah anytime. Please remember to hit the follow button so that you are notified when a new shiur gets posted. And remember, it's a tremendous mitzvah to spread Torah. So please share this link right now. This week, there was a great historic event in the United States. It was one of the greatest amount, it was the largest rally of Jews for a Jewish cause in Washington, D.C. And I'd like to reflect on this uh, based on what's going on in the Parsha as well. And first of all, people would wonder what was the value of this rally? Does it really change anything? Does anything get accomplished? And there have been a lot of people who are commenting on this. Uh, Certain people uh, were saying that it really doesn't accomplish much. It's not going to really change any public opinion because after all, even if it was according to the largest estimates, 300,000 Jews, when you look at that in the United States, that is one less than one-tenth of one percent of the population of the United States. That's not a great amount of people. So you could wonder, like, what was the value? You think having politicians up there is really going to change their minds? We know they say one thing and mean another. Do you think that the rest of the world now will change their mind because they heard that Israel has a right to exist? There's also... Like uh, many people were saying, maybe better thing, things to do with your time. So a lot of discussion about it. So at the end of this uh, talk, I want to bring that into focus. And what was the benefit of this event? So let's take a look at this week's Parsha. And in this week's Parsha, we are introduced to the different personalities of Esau and Yaakov. Now remember, when we look at the Torah... The Torah seems to be describing a simple story, and there's a lot of medrash laid in, intertwined with the text. So let's go to the story where Yaakov is cooking a pot of beans, and Esav is coming in from the field. He is tired, and he says, please feed me this, this red stuff. And we know the whole story that Yaakov says, you want the red stuff? Sell me the birthright. And Esau says, what's the birthright all about? Well, the birthright is spiritual leadership. You'll have Kohanim who will serve in the temple, will be spiritual guides. Esau says, so what do I get out of that? Well, you get to lead people and show them what moral behavior is. And is there any downside? Well, if you don't serve properly, you could die. So Esau says, you know what? I'm not interested in that. Just give me the pot of beans. And so Yaakov says, okay, but you got to sell me the birthright. Let's make it right now. Write down the contract and do it. And Esau says, fine. He sells the birthright. And the Torah goes through the discussion. He eats the meal. And then it ends off by saying, Vayivez Esav es that Esav spurned the birthright or despised the birthright. And that's the end of the story. Now, without any Mephorshim, who looks like the good guy and who looks like the bad guy? 
It says Esav comes in from the field. He is hungry. He says, I'm going to die. I need assistance from the UN. I need UNRWA to come and give me food because I am going to die. And what does Yaakov say? Not so fast. I want something for it. So a secular person who's just reading the text without any chazal will obviously be very upset with Yaakov saying you took advantage of somebody when he was down. And it's hard to defend that position. That's the first thing. And of course we know there's chazal over there. And explain it, as we'll show in a minute. But still, why does Hashem write the story this way? Of course, when we look at Chazal, we are told, they deduce from the wording of the text, that Esav had previously done five terrible Averos on that day. He raped a betrothed woman. He murdered somebody. He denied completely in God. He denied in resurrection the dead. And he also spurned the Bechara, so to speak. So, wow. He's really a terrible guy. Now we know Chazal also tells us that he did a whole number of terrible Averos, even from 13 to 15. He did a lot of terrible Averos clandestinely, but now he did them publicly. Torah doesn't tell us anything about it. Why not? Imagine that uh, you're an FBI agent and you're supposed to be studying potential terrorist activities of certain people. And, uh, you know, you start, there's a whole bunch of facts that you have. The guy's got a cachet of 500 uh, um, uh, dangerous weapons. You have a list of lots of indicting things that he's done. Really terrible, terrible things that he's doing in the background. We've got a lot of chatter on him. He's speaking to a lot of terrorists. And then the the agent in the field who's collecting all this data, he also finds out that... um, he doesn't like listening to uh, sophisticated music. So now they bring in the agent from the field and they say, okay, what do you got on this guy? Well, he doesn't like sophisticated music. And that's all he says. What about all the terrible things that he's been doing? Would not be an accurate report. So therefore the question is, why is Hashem in his infinite wisdom inaccurately reporting the facts. If we knew that Esau was such a terrible guy, then we could understand why Yaakov was fair in what he was doing. Because he was totally unworthy because he's a murderer and all these things. He doesn't relate to all these things. So this is the question, why does Hashem do it this way? And the basic answer we have to always remember is that the Torah is not a historical document alone. It's not just here to tell us facts that have happened, but rather it's here to tell us lessons for life. And yes, the Torah can record that Asa did this terrible thing and that terrible thing and all the other terrible things. But the truth of the matter is, for that, any historical document can tell you this. 
But there's not a lot of value in knowing that there's people like Esav who do these things. There's not a lot of value of us knowing how terrible Hamas is. It's not a lot of value telling us how terrible the UN is. It's obvious to anybody who knows any sense of history. But what is the Torah really focusing on? The Torah is trying to focus. How could it be that a young man of 15 could do all those terrible Averos? That's the real point. What's the, the Nakuda, that main point over here of what's going on over here? And to which many of the Bali Musar explained the following. What caused him is that the fact that he disdained any kind of virtuous behavior, anything that is something of spirituality, something of menschlichkeit, he disdains it, he spurns it. And there's the rule. The rule is when a person spurns ruchnius, meaning to say you don't value what you should be investing your time with, and if you're not evaluating that it's worth it to do mitzvahs, it's worth it to be involved in being the bachor. If you're the bachor, you could be a spiritual leader, you could be a light unto nations, you can help other people. If you don't value those things, you're going to value something else. And what will you value? The opposite. Terrible, terrible things. And we find a similar thing with a grandchild of his, a great-great-grandchild, a similar wording in the story of Purim. When Mordechai walks by and he doesn't get up for Haman, it says that Haman what? Bozui boze ben boze, says the Medrash. Which means, He spurned. It was disdainful in his eyes to only kill Mordechai but decides to kill all the people. So the obvious question is, I don't understand, if someone from New York insults someone from Toronto, you're going to kill everybody in New York? But the point is, if you don't value spiritual things, you can come on to the craziest ideas. That's the point. And since Haman did not value spiritual things, that could bring him to the greatest murder, and therefore you see the connection of Ayivas on both counts. And therefore we see Esau, he didn't value things of spirituality, he didn't value these moralistic ideas from God, and therefore he also would have a, a Meshugana Taiva for beings, becomes a result of that. And therefore the Torah is telling us What's the behavior we have to watch out for? And that behavior is Vayives Esav Esabachora. He spurned any idea of spirituality, any idea of being a role model, of being a person who could reflect the divine nature that's within himself. If a person who is a divine being does not appreciate the divinity that is inside of himself, there's only going to be one result, and that will be the most heinous crimes in the world. It's so interesting, if we think for a moment about the Germans and the Holocaust, descendants of Esau, 
Had Esav not sold his Bechora for a pot of beans, all the Chachma of the Torah, all the Chachma that the 12 tribes had would all be Germany's. And why did they lose it? Because their altar Zaydi spurned the Bechora. He'd rather have a pot of beans than a Bechora. And what did he get? He didn't even get a steak. He just gets some red beans. Once in, out, and that's it. He, they lost everything. How could such a thing happen? Because Vayivas Wherever there's a situation of Vayivas towards something that's worthy of valuing, it causes terrible, terrible results. And that's why Esav is described in the Torah as the Ish Yodeat Sayid, the man who knows how to hunt, Ish Sada, man of the field. And the question is, what's the Torah want to tell us about this? Torah is saying, again, but isn't he a murderer? Isn't he doing all these terrible things? Isn't he a swindler? He's got all the terrible things about him. All we could say about him is he's a man of the field, a man who knows how to hunt. And again, the answer to the question is, you have a life. The most valuable asset you have is the time that you're living in your life. And someone who denigrates life itself, which is one of the greatest values, and you're spending the whole time doing what? I'm going hunting. I go, I go to play sports. That's my life. And my life is to be a man of the field. I don't want to be constricted, constricted inside a certain area. That I don't want to have any boundaries. I don't want to be constrained. I want to be able to live life to its fullest. So such a person ultimately is what Esav becomes. We don't need to be told about the terrible things that the non-Jews have done to Jews in our lifetimes. We don't need to be told about it. We know the history. But we got to know where does it come from? It comes from a person being an ish yodei atzayi, an ish sadeh. A person who has the gift of life. And with that gift of life, you spurn the value of divine time of life. And you say what? You say that I'd rather go out into the field and play. I'd rather hunt. I don't want to be cooped up with all these restrictions. Becomes the worst murderer. The worst rapist. On the one hand, we don't need to know the heinous things they do. We need to know where it comes from, the source. And the opposite is with Yaakov. Yaakov's an ishtam, yoshev oholim. A wholesome person who sits in the tent. He's always in the tent. He's able to give himself boundaries. And he says a person who has a divine soul and has time of divinity on his hands... It's not, it's not suitable for me to waste it by playing games. But I should be studying more of God's divine Torah. And therefore we see from Yaakov, someone who appreciates spirituality. He appreciates divine gifts. He will appreciate people. He will appreciate that everything is a reflection of divinity. And they will grow and grow and grow. As opposed to the one who spurns and is mezalzel 
and likes a life of looseness and hefkerkeit, who values nothing. If you don't value yourself, you don't value your time, you can't value anyone else, and therefore their lives aren't important. If your life isn't important, nobody else's life is important. But we have to get used to appreciating others, seeing values in others. If you can appreciate how valuable you are, you can appreciate the values of others. You know, the Yetzirah and society's slippery slope was very, very subtle. And please uh, hear what I have to say, although initially you might think it's a little weird. You know, we could say where, you know, society has just gone out the window. But you got to start looking, where does it start? Now, you could debate exactly where it starts. I remember one of my rabbis mentioned this idea. It started a long time ago with the idea of people who are living not on a farm, but living in the city, suburbs, you know, nice place. The buildings are clean and neat. The idea that people started wearing jeans. You can say, what does jeans have to do with anything? It's just pants. No, but it's the hashkafa of jeans. There's something behind jeans. You're wearing dress pants. You don't sit on the floor with dress pants. You have jeans. You can sit wherever you want. Now, that's very subtle because they say, what do you want with that? What do you, let me up. Let me dress. I want to be comfortable. Yeah, but you're a person of a divine nature. A divine nature person. You wear something that's a little bit more presentable. You wouldn't go to a wedding in jeans. We stand before God. A little bit of respect. I'm not saying if you're, you know, putting up the sukkah and you're going to, you know, get your clothes dirty. Okay, you put on jeans for that. But that to be a regular way of dressing. And then, of course, it evolves into other things. Technology started with the television. What could be wrong with the television? It's such nice things. Father knows best. Nice morals and this and that. Everyone's dressed modestly. But the Gedolim in the 1950s said not to watch it because they know what the slippery slope would be. A divine person, a person who appreciates and values valuable things. And the most valuable thing is your own sense of self-esteem and the way you use your time. And once that's not valuable, then everything slips down. And then people figure, eat, drink, and be married tomorrow, or die. And now you got ideas of you know, giant gulp cups, which you can get at a 7-Eleven. Like, what's wrong with just a regular cup? It's got to be a giant gulp cup. And everything that happens, speech, the way people speak, in society, Lashon Hara is an amazing thing. And you try to destroy people with Lashon Hara. All these things, and, and much, much worse that we have today. But where, and, and you got murder, and you got, pe- the police don't want to enforce, all these things, it's like crazy. The world is crazy. But where did it start from? Vayivez Esav Es HaBechora. Everyone has some type of Bechora. Everyone has this spiritual quality to imitate day to represent Hashem. And what's happening, Vayivez, so many of us. And there's always a little Esav in everybody. And we have to be careful not to Vayivez Es HaBechora. Not to 
spurn and disdain values. And if we appreciate those values, then we could be a Yaakov. That's why the Torah saying Yaakov was absolutely correct in what he's doing. Do you want a person who doesn't value himself, doesn't value his time, to be the person to give guidance to the world? This is the challenge we have here. We have a UN that's telling Israel how to fight a war. The UN is the epitome of Ayives HaUN Es HaBechorah. They mamish spurned whatever is normal and moral. Whatever is of value, they don't have. And therefore, they, they're behind all the terror. Why? Because since there's a UN, there's more people dying than ever. Because they don't understand the value of what it means to be a person. And they allow outright murder in some areas. And where they choose to pick a Jew, just like Esau. Esau outside would say, I believe in peace. Remember, he was a two-faced person. But behind closed doors, they did all the terrible things in the world. But on the other hand, you have those who appreciate real values. Real values. And they grow and grow like Yaakov Avinu. Let me give you just one example, a brief story with Rav Chaim Shmulevitz, Zichrona Levracha. The late Rosh Yeshiva, Yeshiva Smir, he was once invited to be the Masader Kedushin in a Yishuv in Yad Bin Yamin from one of his students. He initially didn't want to go, it would take a lot of time, you know, you're taking buses and this and that. It was a long time ago, it wasn't the, the transportation wasn't as quick. He felt it was bit terror. But one of the family members said, Rebbe, I guarantee you, you'll have a ride there and a ride back right after the chuppah. Now, right after the chuppah, you don't always get a ride back. People come for the whole wedding. But it's, I guarantee you'll get a ride back after the chuppah. Fine. So Reb Chaim's from Sadr Kedushin. One thing goes well. Then it's, the wedding's over. So now the person who convinced Reb Chaim to come starts looking for a ride back for Reb Chaim. Can't find everybody. Everybody's staying for the wedding, for the meal. So he goes back to Reb Chaim. He says, okay, I guess Reb Chaim will, will give in. Because I tell him I tried everything. Goes to Reb Chaim, who's usually a very gentle soul. He says, but you promised. You took responsibility. A person cannot degrade his word. Ho, ho, ho. So the fellow starts looking around some more and more. He still can't find anybody. He's all getting negative responses. All of a sudden, a taxi comes in front of the wedding hall, dropping someone off, and he asks, are you going back to Yerushalayim? He says, yes. Oh, perfect. He'll put Reb Chaim into the taxi. And when he tells Reb Chaim we've solved the problem, Dereshi says, I knew you'd find some, uh, someone. Because if you really needed, Hashem would bring it. But I wanted to teach you one thing. That when a person says a word, he has to stand behind his word. We have to understand that when we say words, and we don't mean what we're saying, or we do random things that have no value, we are descending spiritually. We're devaluating the power of speech. That is what vaivez is. If we say something but don't feel we have to keep our word, 
That's the beginning of the slippery slope. But if you want to grow, you will always keep your word no matter what the situation is. This is what the Torah is telling us, how to appreciate and value spiritual concepts. And little devaluations can bring a whole destruction. And more than that, not only do we have to value ourselves, we have to value others. And there's countless stories of people who helped out other people when they least expected it and things could turn around. There is a, a story of a person who uh, was in tremendous financial debt and it was his uh, last child to marry off and there was mamish no money, no money at all. He was so much borrowed to, uh, over his head and he doesn't really know what to do. He doesn't know what to do. He needed mamish's incredible Yeshua's. So uh, so what happens? Interesting. So he gets a bracha for a Rebbe. Then, then one day he gets a letter. A letter with a ticket to the States. Invited to a wedding. And he looks at the Balei Simcha. He doesn't recognize who they are. He doesn't understand what's going on over here. Anyway, to make a long story short, he tracks down who the chassan is. And the chassan says, you know, you may not remember me, but this was many, many years ago. And he says, you know, I, 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 I was leaving yeshiva. I was a yeshiva bracha and I left yeshiva. And I was downcast and you happened to notice me, you happened to speak to me. And you spent many hours with me. And he convinced me to try again yeshiva. And it really turned around my whole life. And for you, it may have been an incidental couple of days helping me out for a certain amount of time. But it turned my life around and I never forgot it. And now, Baruch Hashem, I'm getting married to a firm girl. Everything's amazing. And I feel that I have to show you Akar Satov. And here is the, the ticket. You can come to the States. Ah, now that he has a ticket to come to the States, he can do a little bit of fundraising and he was able to take care of his family. But what's the point? The point is we have to realize we can't be Mavaza anything that's holy. And what does that mean? Even a child who's going off the derech is something of a potential Bechorah. There's a divine image within this person. And therefore, we can't be Mavaza anything. And that is a big challenge we have in the Jewish world. We have a beautiful, beautiful Haredi world that really um, values Torah and learns Torah. Unfortunately, we have certain people who are not yet from who are chiloni and don't appreciate these things. But we have to remember, we can't be vaivas anything. And as much as there were great rifts between different parts of the Jewish world before October 7th, but you see Hashem in His infinite wisdom is creating a situation to perhaps bring us back. And we're hearing countless stories of people who are now all of a sudden keeping Shabbos. What does that mean? Because Hashem, Hashem has never given up on anybody. And therefore, and one of the most beautiful things, besides all the amazing stories we're seeing about how the army is, is Mamash doing amazing chesed, bringing in incubators to the hospital, amazing things. 
But I think the purpose of this rally is twofold. For sure, nothing is going to happen. The world will not change their minds because of this rally. That's for sure not. We're not going to get public opinion on our side from this rally. We need a lot of tefillos. We need not a lot of nisim from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We need a lot of Mesir Nefesh. But what did come out of this rally that I think we should look favorably upon is number one, I think many of the people who came to that rally maybe began to appreciate not to be mavaza their bechorah and to appreciate who they are. And for all of us, it's a very simple thing. If you look at just a little coverage of the Jews who were at that rally, it was a rally with Derecheretz, with Akaris Hatov, no arrests, no one getting drunk, getting high on drugs. You see the Israeli flag, United States flag, and all you hear is Hakaris Hatov to the United States. Now, whether that's going to help us or not, I'm not going there. But the world got to see what does it mean that a Jew is a citizen of a country? And as the country has certain values, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, appreciating and being law-abiding citizens, these are values. And you see, all these Jews have these values. And all you gotta do is shift to any one of the Palestinian rallies. And you could look three days before in New York, where they just Mobbing the streets, closing down traffic, closing down transportation, not caring about anybody, going up and throwing down the United States flag and putting up a Palestinian flag. What does that mean? These are all descendants of Yishmol or Amalek, however you want to sparse it. But what do you see? They don't appreciate any values. We go to the universities there. The universities are espousing that there are no values. They are saying there's no such thing as morality. There's no such thing as God. There is no true MS in the world. And they've been teaching lies to everybody. So now you can see it for yourself and this is what the world can see. And now everyone is in a good position to make a free will choice. The secular liberal education of there are no values that are sacrosanct, and we can go playing out in the fields. We can be hunting a society that plays games, a society that doesn't value eternal causes, divine. Even the goy is in the Tzalem Elohim. They don't appreciate who they are. So they don't appreciate who they are. So what do they do? Lawlessness is acceptable everywhere. And when they make a rally, you see how lawless they are. And if, God forbid, a Jew should be anywhere near that, or they'll kill them. So it's not important to know what we're reporting. They killed so many, they did this and that. You got to know that there's vaivas. They've spurned their own identity. And if you're a radical Muslim, then your life in your own mind is worthless. And therefore you can destroy everybody. You can justify everything. You can ignore the fact that 1,200 civilians were butchered. That's not important. 
Oh, we're worried we have to defend the human shields behind others. And then you look at this rally of Jews who are so polite. They're thanking the, the police. So I, think, I feel it gives us a lot of hope. We're all looking at the issues and we know it's going to be hard. How's Mashiach going to come? Chazal said, if everybody would keep Shabbos, Mashiach will come. Oy, boy, we know there's so many secular people. How's it going to happen? The answer is, I believe that this event, all the events that have happened in the last 40 days, we see the people who are the most liberal Israelis finally understood what this liberalism is all about. Those very Palestinians that you allow them to work in your kibbutzim, your moshavim, were the very ones who killed you. And maybe some Jews who don't really appreciate Torah values are beginning to come around to appreciate those values. And it's what can we do? What's our job? Our job is simple. is to appreciate the values that we have and share it as living lessons to everyone else. And that's what Baruch Hashem seeing. We got Haredim with the soldiers and they're beginning, you're seeing pictures of, of, of secular people dancing with a Sefer Torah while they're out on the fronts. It's amazing things. There's a lot to be encouraged by this. And therefore we have to, and that's the point of how we have to look at life and to see so many favorable things that are happening. And to be Sameach that Hashem in His infinite wisdom, although there's a lot of cruelty that's happened. But we're beginning to see clearly the distinctions between an Esav and a Yaakov. And many of us who are dealing with our own little Esavs in our lives. And we don't value the, uh, the loftiness of certain things even in our own Avodah Hashem. And just like we're expecting and hoping that the world will come around. I don't know if they will. We're hoping that our fellow brothers and sisters who may not yet appreciate all the values, that they will start to value certain things as this is happening. But we need to know, even if we are the ones who are religious, we have to value everything in our lives and value what it means to dominate a minion three times a day. It's a big value and not just to cut corners. A value to, to not talk in the shul. A value to not bring a cell phone into shul. If you really value these things. Things that we might say, what's the big deal? What do I need this for? The key to Shalom and the key to Mashiach is the value. And we have to be prepared to maybe behave in ways that the world will not appreciate. Certainly they're not going to appreciate Yaakov. You know what? Do you expect people with no values to appreciate a person with values? So therefore... Forget about it. The ones who are evil are not interested. We're not going to win any of those battles. But you got to know one thing. The ones who value life, the ones who value Hashem, guess what? Hashem values you. And Yaakov was able to achieve the impossible. Because when you ascribe to the Bechorah, Hashem says, the Jewish people are my Bechor. And when we act like a Bechor, Hashem will do miracles. Mirza Hashem, we should continue the fight, continue to appreciate the values that we hold so dear, to grow in that, to inspire others, and Mirza Hashem will be Zoycha very soon to the Mashiach 
Thank you all for listening. Again, please remember to not to forget to hit the follow button and to share this year with others. Thank you very much and have a good Shabbos.